Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leadering Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, Mr. Gabriel Montoya. Well, it's down to the last day of April before we uh, walk into Cinco de Mayo weekend here, Gabriel, and the big fight on Saturday between Saul Canelo Alvarez versus Danny the Miracle Man Jacobs. Uh, it's going to happen on the zone on Saturday night. A lot of buildup, a lot of hype about it. I'm actually very excited about this fight. Um, I could see several things happening in this middleweight brawl. Um, it's by far one of the best middleweight fights for this year that's scheduled. You know, no Triple G is going to be making his June 1st uh, appearance on DAZN, but it's against Steve, Steve Rose, which really nobody knows about. So uh, not much excitement there. Just excitement for him to debut, I guess, for his fans uh, on DAZN. Anyways, um, we've been gone for a minute. Um, you've been busy with your work and stuff, so that's why we haven't been able to get on uh, on live at 5 p.m. Uh, uh, Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And you know, I wanted I I, I wanted to make sure th- that this week we were able to do because of the big fight here. I thought that hey, it'd be good for us to go on and talk. So that's why we're doing a morning show. Show if people are wondering, it's because the uh, the scheduling is just conflicted right now. I believe this will be the last week, though, right, Gabriel, that we're um, we're going to be in hiatus. Uh, we'll be back on a regular scheduled program on Monday at 5 p.m. Uh, yeah, I believe I believe so. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that this will uh, be the last Monday this this coming Monday that uh, we our show opens on Cinco de Mayo, um, which is which is tough because you know with this Canelo fight, um, it's also a very somber weekend. It's it's the death of pay per view days. Uh, so we're going to have a little <laughs> funeral and, uh, Oh wait, the PBC is doing a ton of them because they're no longer doing free TV. Oh wait, sorry. They didn't uh, get the memo. Yeah. They didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah. They, they didn't get the memo. Although, uh, there are certain fighters that are getting a memo, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, right. yeah, I, I'm pretty excited, man. This is, uh, uh yeah, I, I was looking at the year and kind of positive about what was going to happen, but there's been a lot of kind of one-sided, you know, of, of the big fights, rather, you know, uh, kind of one-sided affairs. And, and uh, this fight looks like it's going to be, uh, you know, fairly evenly matched. And, you know, w- w- you know, with Canelo always surprises us, but uh, I-, I think this is going to be a tough fight. This is a tough matchup for Canelo, who's not uh, the fleetest of foot guy in the world. Um, and Danny Jacobs can move and he can hit on the move. He's got a nice jab. He's got size. Uh, he's got the ability to switch stances. Um, she's going to show Canelo some things that he hasn't seen before. Um, and added to which Canelo is, you know, he's faced movers before, but he hasn't faced a mover that can also punch. Um, and so I, I'm very excited to see this fight. I, I, I can't wait. I mean, I'm kind of, kind of been on the Jacobs train, but, uh, you and I've been talking and it's like, you know, the longer Canelo goes along, the more he convinces me that he's the real deal. So I, I can't wait for this one. You know the the fight that's really interesting is is like you mentioned that you know Danny Danny can move and he can box and he's got a a vicious right hand 
And the fighters that have given Canelo problems have been boxers, guys that move, guys that he has to be on the hunt for. Uh, Canelo is a natural counterpuncher. Uh, he's a he's a guy that if you want to walk in with him, uh, he's going to invite that. It's it's just more of his territory if you want to stay in the pocket. But if he's got to chase you down, if he has to cut the ring off, uh, if he has to sh- you know shorten the distance by using footwork, that's not really his uh, his forte. Um, so this what makes this fight very interesting. You know, a lot of people counted out Danny Jacobs before he even stepped in the ring against Gennady Golovkin. A lot, a lot of folks, uh, you know, predicted that as soon as Golovkin touched him on the jaw, that he was going to crumble because Sergio Mora had dropped Danny Jacobs. Uh, and, 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 you know, and to me, it seems like you have to have the perfect timing with Danny. And the only way I see Danny really getting hurt with Canelo is that he goes in and he believes that he is the bigger, stronger middleweight, which physically with our eyes, he is. But Canelo is a short, stocky guy that do you really want to make that kind of mistake and go in there and find out if Canelo can hurt you? I don't think that would be the, the right game, for, game plan for, for Danny Jacobs, Gabriel. I, I truly believe that what they need to do is stick behind the jab the way they did with Triple G. Uh, make Canelo search, him, search for him. Make Canelo work for every punch that he throws. Uh, make Canelo miss and then make him pay for missing. Those, those to me would be the keys to victory for Danny Jacobs. Canelo with a knee brace, I just wonder, is he going to be able to catch up with him? Has he learned anything from facing the Mayweather, uh, Laura? Has he, has he figured anything? Even Austin Trout, has he, has he learned from anything? Because when he fought Gennady Golovkin, he fought one style, which was a pressure fighter. And we also saw that he didn't do too well when Gennady Golovkin started to get on that back foot and move. That's the thing, you know, Canelo is, he's a patient guy. He knows that, you know, even if you're moving, if you're not normally a mover, you'll stop moving eventually. He tries to get to your body, but he's, he fights at a very patient champion's pace, you know, reminds me a little bit of of Floyd in that regard. It's like, we're going to fight at the, at the, the speed with which I want to fight. And that's that's how it's going to go. And, and I'm curious about this, what kind of fight Danny decides to have. And I, I agree with you. I mean, he is the bigger guy. Canelo is is wide and thick, you know. Uh, he's bull strong. He's already able to carry the weight of uh, you know 168 and do so effectively. Uh, not against the most top tier opponent in the world, but still, um, he was able to to do it. And he's talking about moving to 75, you know, which could also just be hype. But uh, you know, is, is Danny durable? And you know, there's also this this rehydration clause, right? That they have right. on the on the day of the fight, they learned from Triple G's mistakes, uh, and, and well, it really wasn't a Triple G mistake, but you know they didn't get it locked down in the contract how much he could weigh, and then they complained he was huge the next day. Uh, this time around, Danny's going to have to make weight again in the morning, and it's going to be interesting to see how he recovers through the rest of the evening, you know, heading into the fight uh, as he tries to put on some more, you know, water weight or whatever and rehydrate. Um, I, I'm not a, I'm not really a fan of these second day weigh-ins. I, I just think, you know, if you're going to do that, like you're already hamstringing a guy. I think I honestly think they're kind of dangerous. If somebody's already dehydrated down, and they can't fully hydrate because they've got to keep that process going for another day, uh, someone needs to explain to me how this is more safe. I know the goal is to get guys to fight at their natural weight, but the way to do that to me seems like you would 
you know, weigh them all year round and make this a year round job because of the weight and because of Mm. whatever division you wanted to campaign in. That seems to be the way to move people, not doing it at the last minute. Uh, but, you know, boxing's a medieval sport uh, in the way it looks at medicine. It's just uh, – and the body. Uh, it's completely you know, ass backwards. You know, you, you know, have bo- trainers and, and telling guys how to lose weight, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, what I was going to say was boxing is, is a poor man's sport, but it's run by rich men. And there's a lot of money with Canelo. So, you know, this clause of, of, of weight hydration, uh, it all has to favor a particular person. I mean, even judges – I heard that uh, uh, what's her name, Bird? She's going to be part of the judging. So I mean, there's a lot of things against Danny Jacobs, and he, you know what? The the the, the good thing is though, he sees it. Um, the way he's been treated, he's been, he, you know, he he mentioned it. I haven't been treated like a champion. They're making me wait. Uh, they're making me do this. He's jumping through the hoops, hoops. So he's fighting before even getting into that ring. It can it an exhausted a fighter mentally, or can it make him stronger? It all depends on. The fighter himself, uh, how he uses it in the ring, how he uses it as motivation is, is part of the deal as being a fighter. Uh, not every fighter gets a smooth cruise. There's still a lot of fighters out there that have to fight for respect. And Danny Jacobs, in my opinion, is a throwback in terms of fighting for respect. He doesn't have the respect of fans. A lot of fans think that he's going to fold over with uh, Canelo, that they're not giving him a really good chance. When I, Me personally, Gabe, I don't know what you think, but to me, this is a 50-50 fight here. Both men can get hurt. Canelo hasn't shown that he's got hurt uh, being in the higher weight divisions because uh, 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 it was Jose Cotto that hurt him back at when he was 140, but Who's to say he can't get caught clean and not see a shot by Danny Jacobs, who is a strong, big, fast middleweight? We all know Danny Jacobs can get hurt, but at times when I see Danny Jacobs get hurt, it's because he makes that minor mistake by staying in that pocket too long sometimes, you know, and he gets a little over anxious and wants to trade and doesn't realize that his best trait as a fighter is box and move. Yeah, I, I think Danny would, would not serve himself well to stand and trade too long, you know? It's got to be like Triple G. Don't get greedy. But I think also, you know, because it's Vegas, um, and, you know, as Oscar De La Hoya pointed out, anybody can lose in Vegas. He lost to Felix Trinidad in Vegas. Hmm. Uh, right. You know, uh, I believe the, the second Mosley fight was also in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes. Mandalay Bay. Um so, you know, nobody knows better than the, one of the biggest sports uh, biggest stars the sport's ever seen that anybody can, can lose. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking up the judges right now just to make sure uh, we've got who we've got. But uh, I'll find it. Oh, Dave Moretti, Glenn Feldman, and Steve Weisfeld. Uh, oh. These are actually good. Yeah, yeah. Adelaide Bird was on the list, but uh, didn't, didn't, didn't make, make didn't the make cut. cut. <laughs> but you know, I still want to. I don't know. And we talked about this a long time ago. Um, that you know, p- people. There was this idea that that the Adelaide Bird was a shitty judge and made bad decisions. But there was also close fights in which she got it right. Um, and you know, uh, as, as uh, Bob Bennett, the NSAC, uh, you know, the Nevada uh, executive director of the, the of the you know Nevada State Athletic Commission said to a reporter who was trying to brace him. And my theory was that that reporter listened uh, to everybody around him talking, didn't really have a case of his own, and decided to be opportunistic and take that moment to take on Bob Bennett. 
And Bennett challenged that reporter. You tell me. I've looked at a record over the last three years in detail. You tell me what are the bad fights. And that reporter just went, uh, and repeated his same thing, uh, which was an emotional plea, not a fact-based plea. So I, I tend to kind of think, you know, Adelaide Bird has been vilified a little bit more than she probably should have. Uh, there was a really good piece out about her that kind of looking at her decisions and pointing out that in close fights, she actually has gotten it right sometimes. So I think that's all, you know, it's a very misogynist sport. A woman makes a mistake, particularly a woman of color in this game, and everybody's going to go crazy and brand her, even though we've seen worse judges uh, that are men also just keep getting the same jobs and, and not the same outrage. But, uh, you know, I'm a little bit uh, sidetracking here. Uh, do you think Jacobs is going to use his southpaw stance to open? You know, or use I, it I don't see – I think the only time – well, you know what? That is a, I don't know. That's a good um, – if I was him, do, I mean, well, do you, do you test the water with that, with, with Canelo? I mean – Canelo hasn't faced uh, a lefty since Laura, if I if I remember correctly, um, and and we saw that that Laura gave Canelo a lot of problems, you know. So being tall and 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 being that he has a good jab, I would suggest that he 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 kind of flirt with it to see, you know, because I mean, you know, you want to try to give the shorter, stockier guy um, different looks. You know, because the thing too is that Canelo is the short. He's five nine, reported. You know, right? That's what they're reporting. He's five nine. Normally, the five nine guy, the shorter guy, wants to get in. You know, get in close to work that body. So he's got to work that. But if you give him a different angle, where now he's got to be worried about a left left hand coming straight down the pipe, that might confuse him a bit, and and suggest for him to kind of you know, retract from that game plan and start stepping backwards and wait for you to throw the punch so you can counter. That would be my sense that Canelo would automatically adapt to, which is you show me a different look, then I'm going to stop and I'm going to kind of readjust to what you're doing, which might be a a terrible plan in in, in terms for him because Danny Jacobs is so tall. I'm interested if you if Danny Jacobs if they're working on that in their camp, man. That that would be really interesting in my opinion. Well, the two fights that I thought Canelo arguably lost was Austin Trout and and Eris Landy Lara. You know. Yeah, I thought um, he lost that fight too. I also, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I also thought he lost the first uh, Triple G fight, but um, but it's interesting. I mean, these are the same judges that were in the rematch for the Triple G fight. So you know, Golden Boy was like, let's go back to that well. Uh, so that's kind of interesting to me that that uh, see how how this goes. There's also uh, an interesting thing leading into this. I know I'm pretty sure they're doing VADA testing for this, but uh, you know Virgil Hunter was on uh, the Daily Mail saying that there needs to be more drug testing ahead of um, you know ahead of this fight and just in general in boxing we need to do VADA 24/7 for everybody. Hmm. And it's just interesting coming from a guy who was offered bada testing when he was training Andre Ward for the uh, Edwin Rodriguez fight. And Rodriguez ended up going 24-7. And uh, Virgil Hunter and Andre Ward said this was a tactic. And it's actually the last time I've really communicated with Virgil. He was so mad about the piece that I wrote uh, asking why they're so testy about testing and why they didn't want to do it. Um, And here he is saying Canelo's excuses were weak about clenbuterol when, you know, straight up, that's actually a thing, uh, computer all contaminating me. <laughs> right. But uh, 
it's just funny how people are, how they forget themselves, uh, you know, and, you know, maybe he's, he's you know, he, he pretty much in this article is calling Canelo a drug cheat and just saying all the signs are there and that his body looks different and this, that, and the other thing. But uh, here's the thing. He's in 24-7 testing. He did that immediately. Andre Ward never did 24-7 testing. Amir Khan never did 24-7 testing. Andre Berto tested positive, never went in for 24-7 testing. So, you know, glass houses, dog, glass houses. Yep. That's so true. You know, um, did you ever, let me ask you this. Do you ever find out, because um, I think we, 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 well, I didn't follow up about it, but Amir Khan and, and Terrence Crawford, uh, they dropped out of their testing, I believe, what, a week or two before the fight? Did we ever find out why? This is what I found out. Hmm. I actually knew why. I just wanted Top Rank to comment on it. Um, I never found out the, what the date of the last test was. But from what I was told, and I, I trust the source, um, Top Rank contracted to do just a few tests. Probably, you know, it sounded like four to me is what I understood. But I, I could be wrong. But I, I don't think it was more than that. Um, I was told it was just a few tests. And then, so then it ended. So when you saw that tweet from Vada, which was like about a week and a half before the fight, that Amir Khan and Terrence Crawford had successfully completed their drug testing, um, that tweet probably comes off of the results coming back. So who knows when the results came back? Maybe a week before that? Maybe that day? But so that means that the sample was taken like a week or so before that, before that tweet came out which means that the testing stopped maybe even two weeks before the fight, maybe three. So, mm. uh, yeah. And, and here's the thing, you know, I reached out to Evan Korn, who's their PR guy. It took him a few days to get back to me. Um, when he finally did, he said, talk to Carl Moretti. That was actually my suggestion. I said, should I call Moretti or who should I talk to you about this? Uh, and I was, you know, I had reached out to the ring and said, are you interested in this story? Uh, Doug Fisher said, yeah. So I started pursuing it and, um, and letting them know that I was writing it for the ring. Um, and so I reached out. Oh, well, then I asked Evan, you know, what's Carl Moretti's email? He never responded back to me. And, you know, ah. we're responding on tw- – we're talking on Twitter and email. And Evan's all over Twitter. He's always on Twitter. Yeah, so don't he tell is. me yeah. that you didn't see it. You just were straight <laughs> ignoring it. And, you know, it's not my first PR guy that I've dealt with and, um, or my first publicist. So he straight ignored it, didn't give me the contact info. It was definitely a stonewall. And uh, I reached out to Moretti, left him a detailed email, never got back to me. The big nada. And, you know, I even reached out. I won't say the reporter's name, but I reached out to a prominent reporter, and I gave him the story and said, these are the things that I know to be true. Um, you can have the story. Maybe they'll talk to you. That person never got back to me. Hmm. You know, no one really wanted to make this a story. No one wants to, you know, cover this. And, you know, I, I don't want to turn. Nobody wants to step into the muddy waters. Me. You know? No. No. And I saw, you know, reporters taking pictures with Evan and uh, reporters doing, you know, uh, here we are at the bar and, you know, the, just the big media. It's, we're all just a, a nice little men's club here and with the, you know, some, some women thrown in as well. But nobody wants to do the, the stuff that will hurt your access. 
And at this point, I'm not really a beat reporter. I'm, I'm freelance when I want to be. When I see a story I think I can write on, uh, when my sources reach out to me or I reach out to them and they give me the info that, that seems like a story, I'm going to go for it. Uh, obviously, I've shifted my focus in life back to what I've always done, which was theater. That's what I really care about because of this stuff. Because, you know, when I ask a question of somebody in theater, they answer it. <laughs> they don't pretend like they didn't get it. Um, right. So, yeah, that's the story of that, is that the, 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 there wasn't, you know, we're now in a place, Dave, where where before the, there was a window of like, okay, you know, when Floyd and Manny started that conversation, and then Floyd was like, I'm going to do drug testing for all my fights. Uh, flash forward to the Victor Ortiz fight. And I asked Floyd to his face, are you going to do the gold standard? Are you going to do year-round drug testing? Uh, like, you know, wh- which is like the gold standard if you saw it, like 24-7 testing. And he, his response was, I'm going to do – I'll do platinum testing if they do that, you know, and just hmm. laughed. And I was like, so no, basically. So what I've learned from the, the Floyd thing, I think, is that it's a dude controlling somebody else's window, what they think – you know, if they think that somebody's a drug user, I'm going to control it by making them do testing uh, at this certain time because Floyd only fought in May and September. So other guys started adopting that. There was a few guys, you know, Donaire and Edwin Rodriguez, who did 24-7 testing. I don't think Donaire does it anymore, but I, I still haven't found, uh, heard back yet. But uh, so then other guys started adopting it. And it's like, well, I'll just do testing for my training camp. And who knows what they're doing the rest of the year. But now I've noticed this. Uh, there was another fight. I think it was Pauli Malinaji's fight um, uh, for the bare-knuckle boxing, that they're doing a minimum of four tests. That's their agreement. But we don't know what the maximum is. Now guys are like they're paying for just a certain amount of testing. That's not the same thing. No, it's you not know? at all. Uh, yeah. And, and so you also now you have training camp testing. You've got guys in the 365 program. And then you've got guys that are in the the, the Vada clean boxing program. That, and you can't you know, even treat the WBC eligible. program anymore because now they're just making up crap and putting it up on press release, you know. So we really well, don't yeah, even know who's doing what. Too. Yeah. Well, they, they don't seem to know it. Yeah, there was that fight where they said they were doing drug testing, and that wasn't true. Um, but so we've got kind of all the, the, these different different levels of engagement for testing at this point. What we really do need is is just to make it a rule because, uh, you know, Big Baby Miller uh, <laughs> has more drugs in him than a pharmacy. Uh, the thing looked like an eye chart, you know, for an eye test. Uh, GW1516, HGH, and uh, EPO. I, I mean, was that, just was like, just a straight up. Geez. I was like, Baby <laughs> Miller, you're not, you, you weren't eating cheeseburgers, my man. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, what happened to the cheeseburgers? You know, I reached out to um to the uh you know the folks that handle uh, Baby Miller, and you know, they respectfully hit me back. They're like, "Yo, Dave, you know, we love you." Um, but at this moment, you know, Baby Miller wants to stay on the low. Uh, doesn't want to talk to anybody. Just not at this moment. But as soon as he's ready, you know, he they do want to come on, leave in the ring. They do want to um speak to us here live on the air. Um. You know, you know, I've always said this, uh, even going back with Sugar Shane Mosley, we've had Shane on. We've had plenty of guys that were that have been popped, uh, plenty of stories that you broke and we brought on live here on Leaving the Ring. Um, some people sit back and say, why, why would they do this? You know, sometimes when you when you're so hungry to to get to the 
pinnacle of your career that you you throw away all the sensible stuff. You know, uh, you shake the hand with the devil. And that, that's what Miller did here. How foolish can you be to think that you were going to get away with it? You know, and, and I'll guarantee you, man, whoever gave him those drugs says, listen, it's a new drug. Uh, they're, they're not testing for this probably. They shouldn't be testing for this. You'll get away with it. And the guy took this chance to completely ruin his name and his career because this is what he's going to be known for. Um, and but now – also, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, or did we – was he doing this the whole time? And that's why yeah, he's and he so got big tested. but could throw a bunch right. of – yeah, throw a bunch of punches, and so like when you get to this level, and somebody goes, "Yeah, dude, we're going to be doing Vada," and like Amanda Serrano, uh, a while back, we went back and forth on Twitter, and I said uh, she was getting mad at Mia St. John. Remember when Mia St. Right. John came out and said I used PEDs She's during best. my time, and yep, yeah, everybody did it, and Amanda Serrano and and um, the the Latin Snake went after her, Sergio Mora, really angry about it. But mm-hmm. I asked her, like, what, you know, Amanda Serrano, like, when are you going to be in Vada? And she was like, I am in Vada, buddy. You know, you should check that out. And was kind of rude about it. I signed a right. paper at the last fight. So I inquired with Vada, and they said, no, we don't have a women's drug testing program and, uh, <laughs> you know, a female boxing drug. And she's not in Vada. She never has been. Mm-hmm. I don't know what paper she signed, but uh, she wasn't. You know, maybe Vada was doing. If it's on the Internet, it's true, Gabriel. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she thought. You know, well, so, if I say it, it's on but, the internet. But, it's got to be true now, you know. <laughs> exactly. But, but my my point is that maybe Miller, because I know Vada has been doing some post fight testing. I think for New York and Nevada and California, uh, mm. maybe they thought, you know, oh, I've done Vada testing before. This will be fine. But to me, I mean, it, it, it was a look at a program. You know, GW fifteen sixteen is was made for people with heart problems or obesity, that uh, so that you could treat them. Uh, what it does is it tricks out your system so that your heart rate doesn't raise, but you're burning fat and building muscle. Uh, that's essentially what it does. If somebody reported it as a SARM. It's not a SARM. It's like a SARM, but it's more of a, it's a PPAR. It's a, a very long name that I, I can't uh, fully pronounce. But um, what it does is yeah, basically exactly what I told you. So it's perfect for a guy like Big Baby Miller. You're going to be building muscle, burning weight, uh, but then you'll be able to go, 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 and your heart rate doesn't raise, so you don't have a freaking heart attack while you're tricking out your system like this. But then he throws an EPO into the mix to increase mm. his red blood cell count and increase his endurance tenfold and get like, you know, just increase your training load so you can further go, go, go and build muscle and, and, and build your endurance and stamina. Uh, and then you throw HGH on top of that, which is an anti catabolic. That means that. You're keeping the gains. So if you're it's one hell five, of a yeah, you push to ten. You know, normally without HGH, you'll you'll heal back to like you know a six or a seven. With this, you're healing back to an eight or a nine. You're keeping your gains. So yeah, we saw that's one. His program. That's a, one, that's a one hell of a cake mix there. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, it makes a giant heavyweight who could throw a lot of punches, punches which is yeah. his style. So I, uh, you know, he got yeah. six months. He didn't have a license yet, so uh, New York couldn't really suspend him. They just decided to not give him a license. Uh, but the WBA has decided to suspend Big Baby Miller for a whopping six months, which means he won't be in the rankings um, until around September. 
Mm-hmm. And then I guess they said that, you know, if they want to be, he wants to be in the rankings, he's got to join, do what Canelo did essentially, and uh, do a, uh, you know, join VADA and start doing that testing program in order to be ranked again. So we'll see how that is going forward if that happens. But um, to me, it's like, is that really a penalty? I mean, he lost a big payday. Uh, he's been shamed in the sport. But six months for a program where you, you were designed to be bigger, stronger, and go longer, which is super dangerous in boxing, particularly heavyweight boxing. You're not going to get tired, like really, dude. Uh, I just, you know, boxing needs to clean its act up. I know it's a filthy sport. It's a red light district of sports and everything. But with the drug testing, I mean, do we have enough positives now to think that it's not just a couple guys? But, yeah. like, you know, five of the top ten heavyweights have tested positive. Uh, I think boxing has a drug habit. You know, it doesn't have a drug problem. It has a drug habit. It keeps doing drugs habitually. That's the fighters and, the, you know, whoever's giving them the drugs. But then it habitually doesn't clean up the mess when it catches somebody. So it doesn't suspend people for long enough for it to matter. It doesn't find them for long enough to matter. But it also doesn't say, hey, big baby, where did you get your drugs, dude? Those are banned substances. You're not supposed to have EPO. You're not supposed to have GW1516. It was, like, banned several years ago. And even they put out a, it gives you cancer warning. Like, you know, like, it's definitely going to give you cancer. Don't take it. Uh, so I'd like to know where he got those drugs. Me Who too. Who put them on That's, that program? Yeah. Like, let's unravel that, you know? Yeah. That should be part That's, of his sentence. Yeah. That, that should be, that spotlight, it, it, it's right now at this moment, the spotlight is only on Miller. That spotlight should be on everybody that's in that camp at that moment, you know, at this moment, you know, so that we can look into their backgrounds, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not that big of a sport, right? When somebody needs a new trainer, it's a really short list. So I imagine the guys you can get drugs from is probably a pretty short list. Yeah. You know, Tyson Fury has tested positive. It's even a shorter list in my opinion. When it comes to who are you? To me, it's even a shorter list. When it comes to getting your drugs from somebody, it's a shorter list, you know. Yeah. Than the trainers, than trainers, you know. But yeah. Well, now, let's think about Andy... like Falco. Yeah, you had Memo drugging mm-hmm. the guys, and then those clients went over to Victor Conte and Falco, which is weird because they're now two of the top, you know, uh, strength and conditioning guys in boxing, after right. being like part of two of the biggest drug scandals in the sport, in in all of sports. All sports, right. Uh, really, you know, that's our sport. You know, we just let people back in. And positives happen. I mean, wasn't there the guy that, that worked Floyd's corner, started doing Floyd's hand wraps? That was a guy that gave somebody a drug, and they said that in a commission, and that guy didn't suffer anything. You know, no. you just go, what are we doing? Are we just, say, are we just pretending that, we're, that we care about this, you know? Or, or are we actually going to do something about it? Because right now, it's, it's, I think Bot has made great strides, but they can't do it alone. No, absolutely not. We've said this numerous times for numerous years, you know. But it just boils down to, again, you know, it boils down to more strict uh, rules, punishment, um, you know, not just taking away a payday does enough. And... It's it's just one of those. Is it can be it's going to be a continual fight, over and over and over. Well, who got the who got the call? Uh, I believe is Andy Ruiz to face mm-hmm. now AJ in New York. Um, 
And um, some folks were like, well, I mean, they're they're pretty big on it. And uh, I think it's, I actually think it's a decent fight. I think it's a good fight. Andy comes in, he's got, you know, um, he's got really good boxing skills, you know, uh, but he is working with Memo Heredia. If they were worried about testing, um, shouldn't that name have kind of brought it into your head? Like, hey, wait a minute. There's not enough time for testing here, you know? Because I don't think uh, – was there any testing for Andy Ruiz last fight? I didn't hear anything about that. I, I highly doubt it. Yeah. The low-level fights just don't – it's not even a question for the low-level no. fights. And it's, it's – you, know? you know? Yeah. And uh, what did you think of Andy's last fight? I thought he looked great, man. I, 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 you know, like I said, I like Andy's combinations. I like his, his hand movement. The one thing though that that he still hasn't figured out is how to move his head, <laughs> and his waist. Um, he does know how to get into that pocket, but, and and the guy last guy that he faced was what what Dermo. I think it was like another Dermachenko type of name. Um, um, that guy didn't know how to establish a jab. He really didn't know how to keep Andy off of him, you know, where AJ's a completely different. He's athletic. He's big. He's got a great jab, a uh, good right hand. Um, it's an interesting fight. If anything, Andy's kind of shown he's got a good chin, but that was against Parker, and Parker didn't really want to engage with him. You know, Par- uh, Parker uh, was on his back foot the whole night. Um, so I'm I'm curious of how – how good Andy's uh, chin's going to hold up to AJ. And I'm also curious if, of, of how well he's going to be able to get in the pocket with AJ and what he's going to do. Because if one thing, Ruiz doesn't have that punching heavyweight power. He's got uh, power to keep you honest, but it, it's really not that, you know, turn you around Miller type of punch or even AJ type of punch. Um, it, this is a really tough fight for my, my opinion for Ruiz. I give him kudos because he accepted the fight. And he's willing to jump in there right away. Uh, but, you know, I, I saw everybody bashing on Ortiz, you know, saying like, oh, you know, you, you seven weeks is eight weeks is enough for preparation. But tell me if I'm wrong. Didn't he get the call? Wasn't he the substitute for to face uh, Dante Wilder? Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Because somebody else. Yeah, he was. Him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And 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 now they they're asking him. I think he learned his lesson here, Gabriel. I think I think Ortiz's camp learned their lesson. They were like, "Look, we jumped in too quick. Um, we need a full camp. We need you know we need more time to uh to look at AJ because he is a big, strong, and athletic guy. And and they learned their lesson with Dante Wilder. You know, um, some folks are making accusations. Oh, he's probably not doing it because he's not off his cycle. It's amazing how everybody now is a is a is a is a uh, um. Vada expert, PED you know? expert, yeah, yeah, and you know, not looking no, at the I think overall. He learned, you're right. I think that's a good point, dude. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, uh, no, I, yeah, yeah, go for it. Well, yeah, that's yeah, the first I mean, thing that you're came taking to my your head. shot, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're taking your shot, and and you did it before you rushed. And how many times have we heard in the sport? This is my first full training camp, or you know, I really gave myself the best chance to win. I I had a training camp. You know, like, let the guy compete at his best. That's what I want to see. Well, you know, they were even shitting on him. Right. They were even shitting on him when he said, you know what, Uh, I want $10 million. 
You know, I, I want, or you know, or they didn't even offer him the equal they were going to give Miller. And everybody's like, oh, when a guy doesn't want to take that money, it means he doesn't want to fight. What about the guy wanted to take the money because he's getting short notice? And you know what? If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose with a shitload of money in my bank account because I'm not going to get the opportunity again to fight for the world ch- title. It's just not going to happen. You know, I'm chasing Dante Wilder for a rematch, and I could lose my opportunity to face Wilder in a rematch with big money. If I get in with AJ at a short notice, again, which I did the first time, I'm not getting any credit for, and guess what? I'm going to go for short money. If I lose, that's it. I may not get that opportunity again to make big money. So I, I think what he yeah. did was you know, say, hey, let's, let's go. If we're going to take this opportunity, this major risk, I need to get paid for it. You know, I need to get a lot of money for it. So I don't, I don't blame their camp for folks to sit out there and say, oh, who is this guy? Nobody even knows him. Well, you're talking about him. You know, I mean, how could you say nobody knows him if everybody was calling him the boogeyman of the heavyweight division? Yeah, that's, you know, I, I didn't see, I didn't see Dante Wilder running back in for a rematch, you know? Yeah, and, and, you know, the same guys that are excited about, um, you know, Triple G's Rickroll on, on boxing fans um, and that he's getting paid and, oh, you know, all that stuff. We can get into the Triple G stuff in a minute. But, uh, you know, it's just weird how boxing fans are. And they, they don't understand the business of it that, that, like, I don't, you know, like I look at stuff like uh, Errol Spence talking about, oh, I don't want to fight Crawford. I've got other fights and it's kind of upsetting, but I can, I can understand it, but you know, I'm not crazy about guys talking about business and pay-per-views and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like it is a business. And for those guys that aren't going to be Errol Spence, like a Louis Ortiz, um, yeah, they've got to be smart about their moments and, and they have to value themselves a little bit and say, you know what? I can be patient. I'm in the PBC universe. I probably can get my shot at, at Wilder again. Um, so let's just go that route and just be safer, you know? It's, yeah. it's a short business. I mean, but you're right. If he gets knocked out again by AJ, there's no way he gets that shot with Wilder. And that's a, that's a fight I think that's more winnable for him than the fight versus, uh, versus AJ. I think AJ would you, get him. You know what a lot of fans don't, even media guys don't get, is that he gets knocked out by AJ. He gets knocked out for two, three mil. It's, you know, folks, well, that's a lot of money. But... After you pay your taxes, after you pay your camp, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you're, you're left with an X amount. And trust me, a mil doesn't go a long way at nowadays, okay, uh, here in the States. So he gets knocked out, gets two mil. That reduces his price. That means that he's going to have to fight more often and longer in his career than he right. would have had to if he, if he would wait to fight for, for a title for a big chunk of money. You know, and, and, and you know what, kudos to whoever who's running his career, um, to, you know, to sit there and go, look, this is a major risk or even Ortiz might have thought this, this is a big risk. You know, I'm in my late thirties already. Everybody thinks I'm 68 years old for some fucking reason. So I'm going to, I'm going to fight. If I'm going to take this risk, give me a shitload of money so that I don't have to continue to fight 10, 20 more times for the next 10 years to make up what I lost. You know, because I decided to do something stupid, jump in the ring for for a short term term uh, money amount, and and they move they used it as a business move. You know, it's it's just so crazy how I hear fans and and media people people that initially bitch about when a fighter's not smart in the business department, but then immediately when they are, they're idiots. 
because they give a shit about their life, their, you know, their long term, their long term for their family, how their family is going to be set up. You know, Errol Spence, you, you mentioned him. Here's another guy that everybody's like, well, we need to make that fight. Errol Spence, like, no, nah, I don't want to do that right now. Why? Because he can make a shitload of money fighting these other guys that are in his own realm before he holds down and fights uh, uh, Terrence Crawford. Whereas Terrence Crawford, it's a different, that's a different, different path that he chose. You know, it's a shitty way of looking at boxing, but you know what? I've gotten used to it. I've looked at it and say, well, this is the reason why this happens. This is the reason why this is going to happen. You know, when, when Gennady Golovkin announced uh, that he was going to fight Steve Rose, I mean, I saw people going nuts about it, going crazy. Oh, my God, I can't believe this. I, they jumped off the – I'm off the Triple G wagon. You know, I'm no longer on that train anymore. And I was, like, thinking, like, did you guys really think that he was going to get in and automatically uh, go after uh, Demetrius Andre or uh, Billy Joe Saunders or anybody in the, of that effect um, to, to mess up his chance of making another major payday against the winner of Canelo and Danny Jacobs? Absolutely not. That's why they took so long making a decision of who they were going to plant their new, their new flag on. And they chose his own. Big money there. You know? So the zone, too, as well, is in the, is in the Iganetti, uh, 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 you know, uh, money-making. And they understand that, hey, we can't put them in tough yet. Let's, 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 let's see, you know, let's milk it as long as we can. Yeah, and you're introducing them to a new subscriber base and all that. You know, and you gotta you gotta try to build some subscriptions with him, with with you know a few fights. Steve Rolls is you know, it just reminded me of that 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 uh, you know the 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 Rick Roll. You know, never gonna give you up, never gonna let <laughs> you down. Never gonna give you up. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's when uh, <laughs> that's what all the Triple G fans were doing. You know, they're like, I don't care that it's Steve Rolls Triple G. I'm never gonna give you up. You're never gonna let no. me down. Even if it's a short notice or late notice opponent, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we've, we've been kind of been called haters for criticizing it. I get it. I do. But it's just like it, – with, with somebody else made this joke, and I think it's, it's pretty funny. It's like, so before he wouldn't fight Derbenchenko because it was too short notice to fight is fucking mandatory when, you know, he's Mr. All the Belts. But now we've got Steve Rolls. What is he, like a long-notice opponent? Like, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It's just well, kind of funny. Well, it's the facade that, that these guys have created. You know, Mexican style, uh, the people's champ, the people's promoter. You, you know, these are, these, are, these are terms that are being thrown out there, and they get stuck in people's heads. And, they, and then when, it's, and when it gets, you know, mixed in their head and the idea of, yeah, this is real, you know, uh, that's exactly what's going on. It's just it's just to kind of blind you to see what the real actual chess moves are happening. It's a great way of making people believe certain things that are happening that's not even there. I knew all along, you know, that this was a yeah. a, a gimmick, you know, uh, Mexican style, Mexican style. It was a gimmick, you know, um, the you know all the belts, the belts matter, all this stuff. It, it was a gimmick because it only mattered until until you were actually confronted about really doing it. 
You know, then then yeah. things change. Well, it's a business move. You got to understand the sport. You got to understand the the the, the 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 business sense part of of this sport and blah 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 blah. Yeah, actually we did, but now we're just calling you on and out on it because you were saying that we didn't know. You know that that for once we're gonna get a guy that's gonna come in and do the right thing for the sport. Not concerned about money. Triple G, you know, he doesn't care about money. I mean, I'm so, <laughs> yeah. dude, I, I am so thrown, th- you know, thrown back with, with Abel Sanchez and how many people are now shitting on Abel. I mean, even before Abel Sanchez, I mean, Tom Lawford was not even dropped yet. And people were shitting on Tom Lawford. Yeah, it was kind of amazing to watch that. What, he doesn't need Tom now. He's, you know, it's like, dude, that guy made him into a star. Yep. You know, and and Abel Sanchez gave him an identity with Mexican fans. There's no two ways about that. No, you know, we no even two saw ways. in that last 24-7, oh, we always go down and eat at this Mexican restaurant, eat this Mexican food. I'm practically Mexican now because I eat Mexican food and I hang out with a Mexican trainer. You know, and, and you know, at the time I was pretty offended by it. To be, to, I get it's marketing, but, you know, uh, I'll just be a full, you know, SJW virtue signaling lefty pinko liberal um it's cultural appropriation you know you you couldn't stand on kazakhstan so you stood on mexico but then when you got a hundred million dollar contract after nine years setting records for knockouts and title defenses in middleweight division or matching them all of a sudden you tell your trainer he's going to have to take a pay cut to less than half of what he used to make Nothing says I don't care about money and I'm loyal to my Mexicans like that. Uh, it's hmm. pretty yeah. egregious. I get that maybe he's at a level where he feels, uh, you know, he can, he can do it on his own. But, but here's the thing. Triple G's said in his statement that it was not about his training. He's a great trainer. He's a Hall of Fame trainer. It was about the money. He wanted him to take less money so he could have more money. That's just the bottom line. That's how it happens. There's no other way you know, to spin it. Yeah, you know, there is no other way say to spin like, it. Uh, yeah, Abel made wrong, didn't make adjustments, or it's just not working anymore. And those Canelo fights told me that. No, he blamed the judges. He blamed Golden Boy and corruption and all that. Everybody else, he didn't blame Abel. He wanted him to take his money. And, so yeah, and when his trainer was honest. After the fight, said, "Hey, I think my guy lost. You know, uh, I'm not the one that was judging. The judges obviously saw something different than we saw. He took it gracefully. You know, um, when when at a time Abel was talking a bit too much for my taste and for a lot of fans' taste. You know, but here's the thing: is that we've had numerous trainers. We've talked to numerous trainers on leaving the ring in the for the past ten years that we've been live on air." Me and you, myself and you, we went to, we, you know, we've gone to gyms, we've worked in gyms, trained in gyms, spoke to trainers. And a lot of folks don't get this, but uh, let's say six or seven out of ten trainers rarely ever get paid by their fighters. A lot of these trainers are actually putting up their own money, cutting out of their own family time, out of their real job to come and work with a fighter. You know, they don't, fans don't really don't see the sacrifice that trainers do for their fighters. They, what they want them to do is just to shut up and hush. Oh, you made a lot of money. You, you know, how do you know that? How do you know that this man didn't put up the, the, the foot first to get his guy out there? 
I, I, you know, I know there's there's a local trainer here. I, I don't think I should put his name out there. I don't think if he, you know, his name is Tony. Okay, here in Modesto, California. Really nice guy. I, I've known him for ever since I've moved out here. Okay, and Tony, man, has foot the bill for a lot of his fighters. Uh, to put them up in a room, to get them there to the fight. I mean, you talk about a hustle of trying to get their fighters their recognition with no payback. A lot of folks don't get that. There's a, there's a lot of sacrifice, not just with the fighter, but the team themselves to get their fighters to where they're, they're hoping and where they believe they, can, they might end up. So when I see guys that are cowboys that, oh, because you walked around with a fighter, you know, and you're, you know, as part of his entourage, and you didn't really sacrifice, you actually reaped what that fighter did, and you're there making a suggestion or, or criticizing or insulting a trainer that asked for what he, what he, you know, hey, if I'm good at it, I should get paid for it. That's basically what he said. So when I, when I read and hear people go, oh, man, he's just stuck what he got. You know, be happy with what you get. Well, you know what? When the next time your fucking boss or your company tells you, you're, you're not going to get a raise. I'm not giving you a raise. And you ask, why, why not? I don't know. I just, I'm not going to give you a raise. I think you should be happy, satisfied for what I'm giving you now. Then you come back and tell me, how did that feel? So I'm, I'm all for Abel Sanchez getting paid for what's just due. If the guy worked with them for how many years, had him in the gym, I don't know the sacrifice that man put up to get this guy in there. You know, how many times did he foot the bill? You know, so it's only right that if you if you're you're winter fighter, which I mind you, two very close. Well, one the last fight was very close that a lot of folks thought that Triple G won. So yeah. obviously he was doing his job. The first fight, I saw that he won against Canelo. You saw that he won against Canelo. So he was doing yeah, his I damn he job. Won easy. Yeah. So right. how is it now? How is it now? Well, yeah, well, you know, he didn't make any adjustments. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. But you are the same folks saying he won that fight. It's yeah, just a, 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 a bullshit way. You know, the G is, fans won it both ways. Yep, he doesn't need Abel, and yet he won those fights. So which is it? Did he prepare him correctly, and they won, or not? You know, and this idea that his body punching <coughs> is going to come back with a new trainer. Oh my God, that is just so ridiculous! Yeah, because please, the body punching yeah. went away because of the opponent. They took Absolutely. it away. Absolutely. And you know they weren't able to make an adjustment to get it back. Okay. But it was also about what the fire that was coming back, and you stopped throwing, you know, you stopped going to the body because you don't want to get caught up to the head. That's just what happened. And you know, yeah, Triple G fans, <coughs> we've seen this. We've been in boxing long enough to, to see the cycle. Absolutely. You know? And even, even the, you know, Abel became the new Freddie Roach. Uh, Virgil Hunter was that as well. These guys talk too much for their fighter. But people look at it, and it's like, well, Manny doesn't talk a lot. Gennady doesn't really talk a lot. Um, you know, both of their English isn't the best. But Andre Ward, Andre Ward did actually talk quite a bit. We interviewed him on the show a bunch of times, and he'll, he'll right. go and go. But, um, but not like Hunter, who will really dominate. But we always see fans get mad about that. And it's like they never take into account, like, oh, this guy said this or this guy said that. And it's like, well, one, everybody and their brothers now got a microphone and a camera to stick in their face and ask them questions. So that's why they're talking. I, I didn't really mind. I mean, Abel was getting 
you know, kind of boastful, but isn't that the game? Isn't everybody trying to get quotes so they can have a story? I mean, it's just kind of ridiculous. And, you know, I reached out to Abel, and he, he was blindsided, man. He didn't see this coming. And, you know, uh, reading some of the stuff out there, he was, you know, when a guy gets famous, all of a sudden there's this new group of people that's helping to run your career, and they've got better ideas. And, um, you know, I had I made some criticisms of Triple G as fans online, and I had one of one of the advisors to Triple G get all mad at me and call me a hater, which is a sign of a lack of intelligence to use that phrase. And, you know, <laughs> you just kind of go, you guys can't even handle criticism, you know? You guys, no. th- this, the money went to your head. And so, you know, I always used to pump the brakes on, this is a different kind of fighter. He's like Hagler. He's really loyal. You know, Hagler stayed with his people and demanded that they not take a pay cut that they take their, their 33 to 3%. Um, that didn't happen here. I'm not even sure what, you know, I mean, K, I don't know if K2 got dates in that Triple G the zone deal, but Triple G's promotional company, which doesn't really exist yet, got dates. That kind of says a lot to me. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know I don't want to completely shed on the guy, but uh, I've been, been kind of pushing back on a bill of goods for a long time. And always kind of being told that I was wrong about it. And I, I, I think history has kind of pointed out that you and I were both correct in saying this is just marketing. This is all this is. You know, and, and uh, we both called this happening. Remember, I mean, we, we both called yeah. this. I knew that they were going to cut Abel. We, I mean, even that first fight uh, with Canelo, remember I told you, I go, they're going to cut him, dude. You know, they, they, it, it's, history repeats itself in boxing. Boxing is not too hard to figure out. You know, for the ones that are blindfolded, that have those little side guards like horses, I just want to see what's in front of them. Don't bother want to look aside because they don't want to criticize their 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 favorite fighter, the one they're adored by, right? Adoring. Um, but boxing is not very difficult to figure out. It's not very difficult to look at something and say, well, he's going to do it for this reason. You know, I'm not shitting on Gennady Golovkin for for saying, hey, I want more of the pot. You know, it's that man's right. He is taking the risk out there. You know, it is his health. It's his body. Um, it's his yeah. body. Absolutely. But at the same time, there's other folks in your team that have taken these, these sacrifices, you know, as well, uh, taking away their time um, and, and got you to a point where arguably you could still say he won those two last fights with, with Canelo. Now, here's the thing. To say this body punching disappeared – uh, when he steps in with Canelo, you weren't paying attention. It was way before that. You know, it, 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 as you mentioned, it's the step up of oppositions. When you get guys like, uh, you know, and hopefully Steve Rose, um, hope, I don't know if he's going to put up a fight. Don't know too much about the guy. But my sense and, and everybody else's is that Gennady Golovkin's uh, absence of body punching is going to show up on that night. Against Rose, unless Rose goes out there and, and, you know, has really paid attention and has the left athleticism and the boxing skills to test Gennady Golovkin. Um, but I don't foresee that because the fact is, is that they made a, a strategic move and they're making sure that he's that Gennady Golovkin is going to get that third fight with Canelo. Canelo saying, hey, if he doesn't, you know, hey, I'll fight him again if he has a title or he has to do something to get that third fight. Everybody shitted on Canelo for saying that. And at the same time, I heard people going, I don't want to see a third fight. I can care less for a third fight. 
But Canelo shouldn't have said that. I, you know, everybody forgets that Canelo, here's a guy that was told that everybody said, oh, he, he'll never step in the ring with Triple G. He does it. Second time, you know, uh, the Queen Bureau, uh, this guy's a cheat. He'll never do the hair test. He won't do 24-7. None of that shit. It won't happen. He did it. He won't stand and trade Still with any Golovkin. Yep, he did it. Now that, now that he had a fall, he followed everything that everyone asked, not just Triple G's team, but everybody. He doesn't have a right. You're telling me he doesn't have a right to say, you know what, I, I've fought this guy twice, you know, and I've done everything that they've asked of me. Why can't he do one thing for me? Go get a fucking title. Plain and simple. Yep. Plain and simple. You know? Anyways, five fans, you want to call in 347-215-7598. We still got a lot, a lot to talk about here. No needle door near, man. Is this guy have the luck to draw or what? You know, gets in the World Series of Boxing. Uh, the first guy gets hurt, gets injured, uh, so Donier gets the win. <laughs> that thing gets injured, gets he, he forfeits out of the tournament, so he gets in with this guy named Young, blows him out in the sixth round. Um, I don't know, man. It looks like we're we're headed to the road of seeing him in the monster, Norway, uh, and Donier possibly. Unless uh, the monster gets injured and and Denier gets all of the he gets he he wins the tournament he gets the Ali Trophy, what what's going on here? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm waiting for Noe to like you know they're like you know Noe step into the light and he like walks up the steps slips and hits his head and it's just over. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and we have like, a new yes. winner. Yeah. <laughs> man. Now, not not to say that that, that Donier didn't deserve. It. I mean, the guy, um, he looked good, looked sharp. Um, both fights, you know, yeah, yeah, both fights. I mean, he looked strong. Uh, that bantamweight division, it it, it 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 certainly has always fit him. Uh, he looked uh, he looked more normal when he moved up in weight. He thought he can handle the weight and handle the bigger guys. And obviously, we we saw he couldn't. Uh, going that, back down to bantamweight, it looks like that's his division. But the guys that's supposed to test him. Especially Tete was supposed to really, you know, chin check him to see whether or not it was more of a like, hey, a good run for him. Um, I don't think that Donier was the the favorite. I, I highly doubt he was the favorite. I have to check, but that that you know gets injured. I believe it was at a hand injury or something like that, and he decides to pull out. Uh, so it's like another, uh, hey, you know, walk through the door, Nonito, and uh, let's see what happens. So. I'm hoping the monster doesn't get hurt, man, and injured because to me it looks like that's going to be the road. Even though I tell you this, Gabriel, I actually was like, man, I'd like to see Nonito and that guy go at it. I think it would be a fun fight because Nonito is a warrior. I mean, he doesn't back down. He he he. Even when he's hurt and he's outgunned, he keeps trying, man. He he, he tries to land some serious bombs. He did it with Rigandau. Um, You know, he he didn't stop. I mean, he took his beating like a man. Yeah, I mean, I, I just. The guy continues to be an example, you know, uh, 365 VADA testing. And then you know, here he is going, uh, the guy I've wanted to face all along is uh, Mayo Inouye, who's like, you know, known as the monster for a reason. It's a big dude. Probably, you know, it may not be that long for 118. Who knows? Um, and Nonito wants him. He wants him to be in the final. And that's, you know, that's the mark of a champion. Uh, I, I really, you know, Nonito, I think, you know, fame got to his head a little bit. I think it messed him up 
for a minute there, but I think. He oh, really I know looks, I did. Yeah. You know, I think he looks like a, a guy on a mission at age 36. He's found his weight class again, and uh, you know, it's really something to see. You know, it just you could see the passion back. It didn't look like he had it for a while. His body was all out of shape. Even in the Rigo fight, I just thought he'd lost his drive. He didn't look good. You know, his body didn't look great. He wasn't focused. You know, he was granted, I think his wife was pregnant at the time with their, with their child. So he was kind of flying back and forth. And he just wasn't centered. And I, he looks very centered now. His body looks great. He looks in fantastic shape. So I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see uh, how he does in that. You know, if, if uh, I know he gets into that final, uh, which we expect him to. Hand uh, speed for hand speed. They, they're both, I think, there. Uh, Noe obviously is going to have the upper and power because he's knocked out guys in such phenomenal fashion. I mean, when's the last time we've seen a guy go out there since Mike Tyson and just blow out a dude with one hit? And Noe, it does it even in better fashion the way he does it. Um, but hand speed and power, uh, Nonito has it, has it as well. I mean, to me, this is not a very um, – I, I just don't see it being a very one-sided fight. I mean, I would have to say this is going to be – uh, no way um, the monster's a uh, uh, real, real test because he's going to be fighting a guy with a lot of experience, a guy that's been at the pinnacle, the guy that's been at the top of the mountain, you know, um, and a guy now that I, like you mentioned, uh, let a little bit of that soup, uh, stardom get to his head that has been humbled down to the point where he's back looking like a fighter. He's not doing the photography stuff, you know, um, so I, this is a different creature that I'm seeing with Nonito Dornier, and I think it makes the fight more more exciting if if the monster doesn't get injured, doesn't slip walking in uh, to a press conference and fall fall down like you said and hit his hit, hit his head. I I don't want that happening. Please let's let's make sure we make it all because you remember the Super Six uh, with Showtime that easily fell apart. A lot of fights that were supposed to happen didn't because of injury, um, you know, or one guy just didn't want to fight anymore. You know, made up excuses about his back and. Etc. 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 Watching this, I was like, "Damn, this car, this battleweight tournament, is starting to fall apart." Uh, you know, but if we can get those two little warriors in there, the last two standing, um, I think I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a special night, man. I, I'm excited about that showdown if it happens. Yeah, I, I, I think it is gonna be special. I, you know, and even this in this fight, I mean, Donaire got touched a little bit more than I you know would want him to, but he was also facing a late opponent who apparently had did have a you know solid boxing fundamentals good amateur background from what i understand so you know no shame in it and what a brutal knockout dude he just kept trying to get that left hook and you know he threw like kind of the the throwaway you know right hand and bang comes back with the left arguably knockout of the year it was really good stuff from him and it just you know i think nonito is still the fundamentals sometimes are kind of missing but um or you know just like he can have a low hand and get caught with stuff, but at the same time, his ring IQ is very high. You can see him in there moving around and, and working and trying to walk you into stuff. And if he sees that opening, he's, he has the, the speed still to take it. But I, man, I can't wait to see that fight. If, if, if Donier comes, comes in the fight the way he fought, because here's the thing, is that folks are going to be like, well, he's never faced a, a, a murderous puncher a guy that, that just wants to take your head off. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Vic Darchinian, at Vic's right. prime time of his career, who was going through everybody, knocking him out, um, if, if Dornier can channel that, that 
that fighter in him that he showed against Victor Chinian. Uh, man, it's going to be a rough night for uh, uh, the monster. It's going to be a really rough night because if he's got to, he's got to now really look at how Nonito's looking at this moment. He's like you said, he's in shape. Um, there, there's motivation there. Um, there's a strong possibility you're going to get the best of No Needle that we last saw, which was against Vic Darchinian. And I think sometimes that you need that, that you know, that extra, uh, you know, you need to fall on your face, get that dust in your nose and blow it out and then get back on your two feet to kind of realize, hey, what got me here can keep me here. So I think it's going to be a special fight if it does happen. If there's no injuries between the two fighters, I think it'd be a, a very special night. Um, I can't wait to break it down here on Leaving the Ring with you, Gabriel. Uh, just got to sit back and wait and see. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Let's get some callers in. Let's do it. All right, then. Uh, 510, you're live on Leave It in the Ring. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Dave. This is uh, Fernando in San Francisco today. How you guys doing? Fernando, que pasa? Oh, what's up, man? Oh, just, you know, in between jobs right now, running around. <laughs> um, right on. Nice day in the yeah, city dude. today, that's for sure. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a little, it's a little cool and breezy, but that's all, that's all good, man. I'm not bored anyway, so I kind of like it. Um, yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah, I like the cool weather, man. How about I can't? I don't like it. Uh, I'm real excited for the fights coming up this weekend. The only time I'm kind of disappointed you guys haven't brought it up yet is that uh, I'm not going to be able to go to Stockton for that top rank card on Saturday, man. I wish it was on Friday instead, man. That would be a lot better, more convenient for me, man. You know, I, what are you guys' thoughts on that top rank putting that card on Saturday instead of the Friday, you know, on this weekend? I don't think there's going to be a lot of people. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's you know what? Well, I mean, this day and age, DVR. I hear ticket sales are doing good. Yeah, he's a local kid, you know. I mean, I've seen billboards all over the place, even in Tracy. I was up in Tracy yesterday and on uh, 11th Street, which is right off of uh, uh, Highway 5. Um, they had two billboards, I believe. I think it was two billboards. No, it was one. One big one for for uh, Flores. So I think they'll do all right. Are you going I like to that kid. Are you going to go to that car, Dave? Are you thinking about going to that car? I, I, I was, man. I was ready to do it, but, you know, because it's my birthday weekend, uh, I'm a Cinco de Mayo baby. My mom uh, and my mom and my my grandmother are actually coming down, so they kind of ruined that. Thanks, mom, you know. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to go, bro. No, I'm going to be here because my mom called me up. She goes, hey, mijo, uh, vas a tener la, la canelo paleya? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, okay, me voy para allá. And I'm like, oh, man. I was like, okay, you can't say the, you know, can't say no, no, no to mom, man. So <laughs> that's, that's what I wonder like, like with the zone. That's what I wonder about with the zone. Like, like my uncles, right? They love boxing, but I'm not even sure how they're watching the Canelo fight, you know? Because I don't know if they, you know, they don't know how to work the app. I got, I got to hook up. They're not gonna hook that up for my uncle. I didn't think about that, man. But one of my that is kind of a big leap for some people, you know. It I've is, seen bro. a few guys that are like. How you know? How do you? What do you mean? You could just cast it to your TV? What does that mean? You know? And you exactly. just like, yeah. No, exactly. No, my you know, one of my Joey uncles. Montoya is going to be. Oh really? What's that? I was saying one of my uncles actually called me up and he's like, hey, um, you know, I can't, I can't find to buy the, the Canelo fight. And I told him, oh, it's on the app. And when I told him the price, he was like, oh man, okay, but. And then he would call me later on. He's like, hey, but I can't even put it on my TV. And I told him, well, this is what you got to do. And then he's like, 
well, shit, I'm not going to go buy an Apple TV or, or something, you know, but, you know, for my television when I'm only going to use it once. So that's another thing that the hurdle they're going to have to jump over as well, because especially, you know, a lot of older old school Mexicanos, they do, they don't want to do none of that. You know, they just want to click and sit down and have their cervezas and relax and watch the fight. <laughs> so and I'll say, I'll say, I'll say another thing for me, right? Like for my generation, I'm a little bit younger than my most of our uh, it's a pain in the butt for me too, man. Because like I've had the zone since it, since it came out. I got ESPN Plus since it came out. I figured it out, man. It wasn't that bad. I got the Apple TV, but I still have to fucking log in every like month or two, man. I gotta look for the freaking uh, password. Like it, 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 that for me is a pain in the ass. I can't imagine my, my uncle having to look for his password, man. He wouldn't know where the hell he put it. You know, that's that's like, true. That's yeah, one, that's, that's one bad thing, man. Like I, it, it is a hassle, man. You gotta think about the like the people that love boxing. You know, are older too, man. They want to watch the fight too, man. Like that was one of the thing about Top Rank. They actually put their pay per view on regular cable, but I know it's not available for the zone. Right? You go to movie theater, which is what I'm But you also, you also got to look at it this way. I don't think the zone ESPN Plus are looking for the, you know, uh, fifty and up uh, consumers. What they're looking for, because they already got the fifty and up consumers. You know, the, the, the you know thirty and up. They're looking for that that new generation coming in that are you know you know um technically they, they they know how to deal with these apps i think that's what they're trying to introduce it to them you know and get them to come across uh to our sport i mean i mean the zone's got you know baseball um they've got pool tournaments there's, there's a bunch of stuff on the zone that's been added and i've been watching as well uh espn plus is completely different you know they got the basketball guys the, the football guys so i think that's what boxing is trying to do is is be connected with the younger generations coming up because um, that's why they're putting so much money and they're worried about subscribers because that's where it's going, you know, um, you know, and, and, and a lot of times I think a lot of folks too kind of think like, well, if, if an uncle or, or, you know, or dad wants to really see this, there's kids around, they're going to help them out and figure it out. That's, I think that's yeah. another way they're looking at it where me personally, like I said, it, it's a really tough to make, Especially our our, our our Rasa man, it's very difficult to make them change their ways, you know. And when I explained this to my uncle, it, I mean, dude, not even midway through my sentence, he's like, ah, no, 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 ya <laughs> 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 But there's a lot of guys on me because I just started podcasts, right? And dude, they are banging over back with the Triple G, man. People like uh, Michael Montero, uh, Brian Campbell. Like, they're, they're, they're fans too, man. They're like, oh, oh yeah. he should have taken the two million. He should have taken the two million, man. That's plenty, man. Why do you want more than that? And like, hey, man, you take a pay cut, man. You get 10 bucks, dude, you're going to be pissed, man. Exactly, you know? bro. Exactly. That's what like, I was saying. Uh, you know, it, speaking as somebody that, that walked away from a, a potential gig, in this business, uh, but the, the the circumstance would be that I'd have to work harder, but 
be paid less than my last boxing job. Um, Yeah, that ain't going to happen. And and honestly, like, you know, I I like Brian Campbell. um, But, you know, uh, actually, we're all adults, so I can actually offer criticism and not have to always say, I like this person, they should be able to handle this. But, you know, Brian has been in this business for quite a while, has been toiling away, doing different things, blog, you know, blog talk, doing some announcing. But, you know, he just, like, re-upped, I think, with CBS, got a new contract. Do you think he took a pay cut? Probably not. Oh, man. No. And Marcos Viegas is a guy, I don't know what his feelings are about Triple G and Sanchez, but that guy's toiled away for, like, ten years, about the same amount of time Triple G. You know, they were together nine years. And now he's, like, on TV doing, uh, you know, ringside reporting and the unofficial scorer and and, uh, sort of his calling fights. And, you know, that guy probably didn't take a pay cut. He probably got a raise. You toil away at things for 10 years, and they pay off. Steve Kim has toiled away for 20 years and now is working at ESPN. Do you think he took a pay cut? Probably not. So all these guys that it's like they do as I say, not as I do. You know, I don't know what Steve's opinion is about the thing either, but um, I know he's actually kind of tight with Abel. But, uh, you know, just saying, like, if you really look at, like, where boxing is right now, even, like, particularly with, like, the zone and all that getting in the mix, there's a lot of boxing media guys that are cashing in, being shoulder programming people or, or what have you. Um, none of those guys are taking pay cuts. They're all dipping in and, and, and getting paid because they put in the time. That's how it should work. I'd always thought America was a meritocracy. So this idea that, you know, I want, I'm actually going to throw the race card down. Speaking as a Mexican-American in California uh, and looking at the country, how it is right now, and particularly this, this racist president who doesn't want, uh, you know, undocumented workers. And then you look at how many people, all his golf courses and resorts and like Mar-a-Lago, how many undocumented workers or um, it was a story that came out today that he, he hires limited visa people so they can pay them little and kind of hang that over their heads, essentially, that, you know, that they have like a short-term visa. Um, it's, you know, Mexicans and people of color, Latin American people that come and do the work here, uh, we're expendable. And to me, when I looked at this, I was like, this is kind of typical of how Mexican workers get treated in this country. They want our work. They don't want to look at us. They certainly don't want us speaking our native tongue. You know, and so and and we're expendable. You can discard us if we if we complain about anything, and that's kind of what happened to Abel here. And everybody is falling in line to defend Triple G's treatment of him, which is bullshit. How many interviews have all these guys done, and and how many of these guys' careers have benefited from doing those interviews? It's hypocrisy. And I see like I feel like people have been banging over. Like I don't hate Triple G at all, man. I really I'm a fan of this. Or at least I was. I love watching the fight. Yeah, I was a fan of his up until he wrote that letter to the to the inside trying to get Canelo uh, permanently banned or whatever the fuck. You know, I, I didn't like that. But the amount of the amount of fans too and and some and media have bent over backwards to uh, further n- narratives for him almost since the beginning. People are avoiding him. Uh, Mexican style hashtag all the belts. All these narratives and excuses that they have consistently made for him, like since the beginning, it's crazy, man. Like, they, my mom won't make that many excuses for me, man. My mom won't make a single excuse for me if I act stupid, you know? And, but these guys, <laughs> the Triple G, they'll bring over backwards for him, man. They'll say the sky is red when it's blue for him. They don't care. 
But you gotta, but you gotta, you gotta realize is that these guys, these like those guys you mentioned, they're not reporters. Um, I think that's the thing we need to take away is behind them. They're not really media. These are these are fans that have access to to posting and, and talking about their opinion and defending who they want. I'm not angry about that at all. You know, um, I don't get angry when somebody says, oh, you're a hater. Like, I've, I've got tons of emails when last time we were going in on uh, Gennady Golovkin um, talking about his record that we were haters. You know, oh, you guys are just hating on him. There's a lot of hating on leaving the ring and woo, woo, woo. You know, since I've started uh, leaving the ring, which was called before, uh, there will be blood. Um, all I ever did was come on and speak what I saw and the truth of what I'm seeing. Um I, I I tried. I used to get I used to get uh, complimented by other YouTubers and, and podcasters saying like, "How do you stay so um, neutral?" And I say, "Well, I'm just calling what what's going on. You know, like, I'm not telling you who my favorite fighter is. That's not my job. My I think people tune in to hear uh, debatable stuff. You know, I'm not right all the time, um, but I'm going to make you think about what I'm what I'm talking about here." Um, I'm going to give you a glimpse of what, what we, we've seen uh, throughout our career in the business of, of boxing and being part of the media. Um, but now I see more and more what it's, it's cringing, you know, where I see guys that go on and, 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 and they're not even throwing their opinion. They're throwing insults. And they think that that's the way to push the sport, you know, uh, because they're looking for more for clicks. It's become more to me, in my opinion, it's become more of a look at me, not, hey, let's talk about the sport. Well, let's talk about the fight coming up. It's more look at me. And I also see a lot of these guys are looking for a job with the fighter. They think that the fighter, um, if the fighter likes their video, it's like the major accomplishment. I never really cared about any of that stuff. And I think that's why we've continued a good run, a successful run on Leave the Ring, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean that's all I could really say about those guys. I don't, I don't listen to them, I don't watch them, um, I don't give them my time because I already know what I'm going to be investing in is a waste of time. That's my recommendation to anybody. You know, if you really want to want to learn about the sport or hear about the sport, I think there's plenty of other podcasts, and that's just ours that you're going to learn and listen and, and have a good time with. You know, because. Uh, if there's one thing that we don't do here, I don't think we do, is, is cheerlead. I don't think we've ever done that. We've been accused of it because they don't like what we say, uh, but I don't know. That's my well, little... I think, yeah, you, right? I've always believed that the fights are, you know, it's like that, that saying, if you want to know the artist, look at the art, you know? And I think that's, that's kind of where I've gone back to, now that I'm not on the beat trying to be a reporter, you know, anymore. It, it's, I'm more... I just get back to the fights. I don't have a lot of time to watch, you know, shoulder programming or, you know, like, like Dave and I were talking about before the show. He's like, have you seen that Danny Jacobs, LeBron James thing? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, they're just kind of retreading all the stories that we covered over the years, you know, like and everybody covered about Danny Jacobs. Now it's just the, 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 the gimmick is it's LeBron's company, you know, all that right. stuff. Like I don't pay a lot of attention, but yeah, particularly YouTubers. I don't want to, get into a thing. I think people that listen to the show know that uh, me and that certain YouTuber don't exactly like each other uh, for pretty good reason. But, you know, um, yeah, 
I don't spend a lot of time with those. I never really have, you know, there's a couple uh, podcasts I listen to, but I think anybody can tell from my Twitter feed and, and what I've talked about on the show is like, I'm, I'm back doing theater and that's where my mind is and politics because the, you know, the country's on fire and I'm kind of like looking for ways to, to engage and educate folks by putting out articles that I like on my timeline, but also, you know, uh, ways that you can engage and like help uh, what's going on. That's, that's kind of where my focus is. I don't have a lot of time to spend uh, on what some YouTube guy thinks of triple G or somebody else, what money they should take, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I find that stuff kind of ridiculous. Especially when they're eating crumbs. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be blunt about it. Especially when some of these dudes, they're eating crumbs, you know. And because another guy values his, his, his talent, his skill set, um, you're going to say, oh, you just take what, what's going to be given to you. You know, you should be happy. Um, you know what? Just because you, you're okay with eating crumbs. Because you don't value yourself doesn't mean another man needs to do that. I've I've never been a fan of of you telling what another man needs to do to put food on their table. You know, I, I I've always even with my worst enemies, and I mean real enemies, <laughs> not these little YouTube or uh, podcast back and forth. I mean real life enemies. You know, I've never been a guy to to cut you cut your hand from trying to make ends meet. Or get yours, you know, it's a fair game. And Abel Santos is sitting back and saying, Hey man, this is what I this is what I deserve. Who are you to tell him he doesn't? Why why is it so why is it so easy for other folks to tell them you shouldn't value yourself? You shouldn't value what you do. You should just be happy of what you're getting. You know, and 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 I I don't know. I just never you know, I look at I look at myself in my career, and I go, if I was to listen to every pendejo out there that told me, no, man, you can't do that, you shouldn't do this, I would have never tried to do it. I have a lot of fails than success in my life, but I'm proud to say, dude, at least I tried my ass to do that, you know? And when I got good at it, I hey, I wanted to get paid. Who doesn't? That's why I said, you know, if you if you if these idiots on YouTube and podcasting, they're telling Abel, um, you know, oh, you should just be happy with it. Well, when, you're, when your boss tells you, hey, you're up for a raise, but we decided we're not going to give you that raise, then you shouldn't complain because you were quick to tell somebody else to sit down and shut up. Or, yeah, or the company has uh, had a major windfall. We're going to get $100 million, you know, way more money than we ever got. Uh, we're going to need you to take a pay cut. Yeah. <laughs> to less than half of How what you made. How stupid is that, dude? How stupid is that? You know, that tells you the mentality of that person that they're they're idiots. You know, and it's like well, I, I could literally. I mean, if I sat across from that person, I would be like, all right, well, fuck, man, you you must have a lot of shitload of money then to not worry about getting a raise or getting a little bit more extra. Everybody can use a little extra. I don't know any man. It's just like, how do you show? You just don't show grace. Like, pay the guy for the nine years he's been with him. And the Fuck facility. Pay me for what like, I'm worth. You know you, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, That's what it the, comes well, down to. The idea that, that, yeah. that Abel didn't bring anything to the table, it's like, it's got a very specialized gym way up in the mountains there. It offers solitude, uh, high altitude. He's also got special training implements that he uses. Like, it's apparently all good. 
until it wasn't, you know? Exactly. Very strange. Well, the and, criticism and came out. Go ahead. What are you going to say, Fernando? And don't think so with me. He didn't, he didn't screw with Loffer either, man. Because Loffer's been quiet about it. But I guarantee you, Loffer had to take a haircut too, man. I'm here. That's why I took so long for him to sign back up with Loffer. He probably had to take a, pay, a big pay cut too, man, you know? But um, I'm, I'm sorry about the, the tangent we went off on. I, this no is worries. the best time of boxing of the year, man. I am so happy. Like, last week was awesome. This week is going to be awesome. And then next yeah. week, we got, uh, we got Navarrete against Dog Bay in the rematch. Chubb against Vargas. Uh, We're in the oh, next few weeks, good. man. They're gonna be dope, man. They're gonna be yep. dope, man. And so something positive, man. Fuck the haters. Screw everybody on Twitter, man. I'm, I'm honestly, be the, I'm, I'm getting off of Twitter, man. I've been on it for a few months, and I'm trying to read it. <laughs> it's like kind of, it turned me sour, man. It made me sour. I love boxing, man. Now I'm like, it does, like bro. arguing with people and stuff, you know. Like, I don't want to argue you clown souls. <laughs> it's just straight up. I mean, I, I, you know, the way people act, it's just like, it's kind of ridiculous on there. That's why, if you notice, like, my feed, I, I don't spend a hell of a lot of time talking to people anymore. I kind of just put out articles, hey, read this, read this. Occasionally, somebody will ask me something or I'll throw my opinion out there. But, you know, it's just not, it's kind of partisan and clicky and, you know, I just don't deal with it. Yeah, that, that May 11th card is going to be fire. Navarrete versus yeah. Dog Bay, and then uh, the Bruchelt Vargas rematch. That's going to be awesome. And also yeah. Jared Hurd versus Julian Williams. It's a very yeah. intriguing fight. Yeah. And we got Wilder. Wilder's always fun to watch. He's going to be fighting Brazil and May also, right? It's I mean, exactly. It's, 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 this is what we've been waiting for, man. This is like Game of Thrones, man. This is like the last few episodes of Game of Thrones, man. I've been waiting all year for this, man. I'm excited, man. So let's stay positive. Yeah, actually. Love boxing and. Mm-hmm. Mace, Mace Fire, yeah, because you've got, uh, what, Wilder Brazil um, and the fight everybody's been waiting for, Gary Russell Jr. versus Kiko Martinez. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> then you also got Josh Taylor versus Ivan Baranchik the same day and uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez versus Neo Nui. And then, uh, you know, Billy Joe Saunders comes back. But also, yeah, you got that uh, Oleksandr Usyk versus Carlos Takam. I mean, yeah, it, it's there's a lot going on. Ito versus Herring. Baranchik versus yeah. Taylor. I mean, it's just loaded, man. It's, it's loaded. It's a loaded man. month. Yeah. yeah. There's so many fights. Like, it, it's kind of insane. Like, even looking this weekend, you know, you got May 2nd on Facebook, uh, the joint, you know, Hard Rock Hotel in Vegas. Uh, Yamaguchi Falcoa versus Chris Pearson is on the top of that. But then um, – IFL's got a bunch of fights on, uh, like yeah, like a dozen fights uh, over in England. But then yeah, then Saturday you've got the DAZN card, but also the ESPN card. It's it is just a packed weekend. It's like it, it's hard for me to keep up at this point. Yeah, there's so many damn fights. <laughs> you know, it is. It's really Usyk, hard, man. Usyk I got a wife. this month. Usyk is fighting this month too, man. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Usyk versus uh, Takam. So yeah, yeah. That's going to be a good fight. It's, uh, yeah, it's fire this 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 month. So, um, thank you for. I appreciate you guys taking my phone call. I gotta get back to work, but I'll be listening in, man, on the download. <laughs> All right, brother. And uh, you take care, man. Welcome right, back, man. I always enjoy your guys' show, man. You guys are like straight up, man. You guys are like straight up, dude. You got uh, like I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you guys' honesty. You don't have to agree with every opinion. I don't feel like you guys ever have like a ulterior motive with your opinions, man. So I appreciate it, man. Thank I you very much. That. All yeah. right, man. Bye bye. Thanks. Peace. Yeah, man. We're you and I. Uh, I guess we took a pay cut too. Just uh, 
after 10 I know, years. Huh? Jeez, that, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for my paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I walked away from the embarrassment of riches that was my max boxing paycheck, you know, right. and decided uh, to walk away. But, uh, you know, it's, it's – I, I really don't miss it. You know, I have to be honest. Every once in a while, I'm like, man, that would be pretty cool to be at that fight. But then I'm like, I hate Vegas. Like, the last time I was there, I, you know, we went into a casino, and it just was like, yeah, now I smell like, like smoke. Hmm. You know, and like, it's, I, don't, I don't really drink that much. So, you know, uh, my wife doesn't really drink. Like, we'll have like one. So, like, Vegas doesn't really hold much excitement for me anymore. And being at the big fights and having to write a bunch of stuff doesn't, doesn't really do it for me, but I do love the sport and I do love talking about the issues in the sport. That's why we'll we'll probably always be here. But uh, you know, definitely no ulterior I, motives. You know, especially if you're independent. I was independent, you know, so I had to like pay my own way when I used to cover fights. You know, go out to Vegas or go out to Reno, uh, Tashi Palace, go out to L.A. Um, I had to pay my way, you know. Um, I was trying to get my name out there, so I spent a lot of money. And every trip, you know, when I see other guys, um, you know, uh, going, oh, I expect this guy because his hustle's there. And if you live there, yeah, that's cool. I mean, you shit. You know, if you're a drive away, you can do it and stuff, you know. That's why folks move out there with stuff if they're going to cover the sport. But, you know, I stopped doing it because I was spending between 600 to to 1000 just to cover an event by myself. You know, hotel, oh, food, I mean, drive. I, I mean, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, you know. Max Boxing was barely paying me enough to pay my rent. Right. That was it. Everything mm-hmm. else was like doing other side freelance jobs outside of boxing to, to, to make my way. You know, and, and that was fine. It was like all I really wanted to do was write about boxing and, and be in that sport. I kind of decided I want to put acting on hold so I could really do this job. The way Steve was doing it, you know, that's what his challenge was to me when we, when he hired me was like, don't be just happy. You got this job. Try to keep up with me, try to do better than me. And, you know, I, I, I did that, I think. And, but I guess I can say this now. I always said that I, I wouldn't really talk about it, but now that the company doesn't really even exist, I, I, I mean, is UCN still going? I, I'm pretty sure they're not right. Because Steve went so. off to ESPN. ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so I was offered a job there initially. Actually, I was the first guy offered a job there. Uh, yeah, they haven't put up a story since November of last year. So mm-hmm. that site's done. So I'll just, I'll just tell this really quickly, uh, and, I'll, and I'll not give a lot of details. But um, they had contacted me. They, they were going to start a channel initially, which is the right. late Damon Bingham. Um, and, uh, and I forget the other guy's name at the moment. But uh, they were starting this, like a channel, and they wanted me to be the head of the news division. That was the job offered. Sounds like a good-paying job. Pretty exciting. Uh, fast forward like, I don't know, six, eight months. Oh, and they wanted Steve Kim's number, and I gave it to them. And I was like, because I was like, if, you know, my first hire would be Steve Kim. You know, you need the best beat reporter in the game. And that's how I think of them. And uh, so like, cool, hey, could I get his number to talk to him? Cool. Fast forward like six or eight months, something like that. And I was in the midst of getting married and doing all this stuff. And uh, I didn't hear back from them. I figured it's, you know, they were like, it's in the early stages. We'll get back to you. They never yeah, got back to me. Yeah, they're trying to, to gather their, their shit. Right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and I was, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, and like I said, I was super busy doing other things, and uh, and also kind of going, well, you know, how am I going to do that from San Francisco, you know? But I figured hmm. they had the budget. So eight months later, Steve, you were told they had the said, budget. I was though, in that's LA, why and, if I remember correctly, yeah, you, you were being told they had they had the budget. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and so they fast forward, and like Steve and I were leaving Max, and and we were talking about it, and. Uh, kind of just you know, and and it turned out that they've been talking with Steve, and uh, they decided I guess to throw up a website and just get us out of Max and kind of fast track things. And so I get a call, and I'm told, well, this is what we're you know we're going to pay you. This is the offer now, right? Month. The offer was now to be a writer on the website. There was no longer head of the news division. I wasn't being allowed to really pick any of the the, the groceries uh, as it were. It wasn't even an offer though. It was just like, it was just a base like hey, it was this like, is it. <laughs> this is a this salary. Is what you're making. Yeah. $750 a month. A $250 pay cut for Max Boxing to do the same job and actually work harder because we had to reestablish we actually established this as a brand. Okay. And I was like, and well, you're going to be the editor. And... Gonna pay? Right. Yeah, well, you're going to, actually it wasn't, I wasn't even an editor. They had hired the editor for Max Boxing, which was not a hire that I would have made because he makes a lot of mistakes and misses stuff. And, and right. I wanted to get a real editor. You know, I had a couple people in mind. Um, they ended up hiring one of those people as a writer. And I was like, no, that's the wrong hire. You should, you should have been an editor. But uh, long story short, I just said, eh, it's not worth it. They ed- eventually bumped it up to the same salary as Max Boxing, but made me try to make me feel a little shitty about it. Like, well, I'll pay you out of pocket and all this crap. And I was like, you know, you, <laughs> when you're thinking about doing business with people, you go, right. let's project 10 years. Do I want to spend the 10 years that I, you know, I just spent like nearly a decade with Max. I think it was there like six years. Do I want to do all that with these people? If this is how the relationship's beginning. And I was like, now nah, how good. it's starting. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, a let me year just later, throwing a few, few bucks I, I, to keep me quiet. <laughs> yeah. A year later, I get, and it was kind of a contentious conversation, and I was being told I was a diva, and you should just be grateful. Oh, and they also offered me 2% share of the website, whatever the hell that means. Hmm. I was going to get 2% of whatever they make, I guess. I was like, yeah, you know, they didn't have stocks or anything like that, right? There was no stocks in, in Yeah, I'm like, in so this, right? I'm going to get 2% of what, the advertising money? Like, what is this? You know, and so a year later, after turning them down, I get a call from Damon, and he says, his opener is, so you good now? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you good now? Like, you seemed a little upset before. Like, you calm down? And I, my response was, that's a horrible way to begin renegotiating with me. <laughs> yeah, you good. And, uh, You're going to take that, that, yeah. that extra chain of story that you had? <laughs> I've been good for a year. Yeah. I was doing, you know, was still doing video over like snack, yeah. you know, shooting videos there. And like, you know, and so I just walked away again. So that's why that's it's so strange. The, that's why I say like, to me. Uh, I was worth more than a pay cut. Long right. story short. <laughs> yeah, but that, and that's why I find it so strange that if if you're if you know the hustle in this game of putting up videos and going putting out of pocket, right? Um, yeah, and out of pocket means even having your internet up, uh, you know, uh, trying to be updated, um, taking time out of your day to do to 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 do some research and all that. 
and and you spend money and showtime and everything yeah yeah if you if you have invested money real money into what your craft is you're doing no matter if you're a shitty podcast shitty youtuber doesn't matter if you put money into this game i just find it so strange that you're telling somebody else hey be happy with you got you know you're getting two million be happy with it take Mm -hmm. it when, when yourself, man, you, you I, I mean, I'm for the guy that goes, hey, man, I got you here. You know, uh, um, obviously, a lot of folks think that I won, you know, that I help you win these fights. I mean, I was being uh, patted on the back numerous times, blah, 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 blah. Everything was said good about me until I'm cut from the team. Now, um, you know, nobody even knew about me. You really didn't do much. You didn't, you didn't, you, you know, you, you, your, your game plan doesn't work. Your body work wasn't, you didn't help uh, Gennady Golovkin with his body work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just find it so strange. Like I said, if you put money into this, how can you knock down another man who's like, hey, I want to, you know, get paid? You know, I don't know. Should we talk about that story about that time, Gabriel, that we, we got offered to do a TV deal? And then we turned it down because a particular fighter oh, uh, yeah. was involved involved in it. Should we talk about that a little bit, just to kind of show folks about when we talk about integrity and and uh, you know some people. I mean, look, I don't even know if it really oh, even yeah, goes yeah, what yeah. we're talking about. I don't even know if it really goes what we're talking about. But you know, since we're, we're but it's about yeah, it's about doing the right thing, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I, don't mention the name of the show, but but yeah, yeah, that was a weird moment. <laughs> It was it was okay. First up, the, the show was was it was it was a TV show that was offered to us. Um, we did sign a uh, uh, disclaimer, um, right claim on it that we couldn't mention the name. A non compete clause. Non compete yeah, clause. We as couldn't well. steal it. We couldn't steal it. Um, which we're not known for that. First off, um, but you know we 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 had continues continue meetings with them, um, and uh, we were down to the to the pin, right? We were there to like to sign it. But then when we found out there was a particular person that was involved, which that's where the money was coming from. Um, it was a high profile fighter. Yeah. A high, very high profile fighter. And we knew that that high profile fighter would, would it probably intervene. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I have a feeling he would have. Because of the stuff that we, we talked about. And then we're talking about the height of PEDs here. Um, and we knew that a lot of folks wanted to shut us down. Um, and I remember, remember again, we, we had that conversation. I was like, um, I don't know, man. I don't think, you know, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. And you said, I'm not. And we walked away from it. Yeah. And we didn't stop that person from producing that show to make their money because – and we certainly did not judge that one person that introduced us to the whole you know, uh, negotiation. He was right there with us the whole time, and he was even blown away. I mean he called me up. Remember? I, I don't remember that, but he called me. He spoke to me for like three hours trying to convince me to do it. He's like, I don't understand. Like, why, why won't you guys do it, D? Do it. This is a great opportunity. And I said, I know it's a great opportunity. But it, what it's going to do is d- just going to strip away all the stuff that we've been saying. And we don't want to be censored as well either. And that was one of the main things in that, uh, you know, that we, we stressed. Remember, we're like, we can't be censored. 
Yeah. And so yeah, when that, that person was, that went off, it. remember? And when that person went off and got another guy to do it, um, and that that person was a friend of ours, you know. I mean, he he started to become a friend, I believe. I, you know, to me, he, he to me, he he started becoming a friend. And he was like, "Well, I, I'm gonna, I gotta go with it, man. And you know, I gotta get paid." And I could have been like, "What? Like, oh man, you know, where's your, where's your integrity, bro? Where's this, this?" But instead, I was like, "Look, brother, all the best luck. Um, we all gotta put food on the table." And, yeah, and I think, and that's, uh, you know, and, and you notice, I never talked shit about UCN. I was like, "You guys do your thing." Right. I didn't end up promoting them, but how many bo- other boxing websites do I promote? You know, none. So. You know, it was, and and my name got trashed after that decision too. There was people that, oh, Steve Kim fired you, or Steve Kim didn't want you, and and nothing could be further from the truth. Steve even told them after I turned them down that, hey, I'm going to leave the door open to hire him if we can, you know. And it, I'll always, you know, be loyal to Steve about that, you know, for that. But it just came down to, and it's not like I'm about the money, but like you're right. In one of my questions was, who's going to fly me? To, are you guys going to fly me to the fights? Are you going to pay my expenses? They're like, no, no, no. You got your own expenses. I'm like, so I'm going to do that with $250 less than before. Like, what are you crazy? Like, that's not going to happen. That, you know, I was in a new city, so a lot of my freelance stuff went out the window when I moved. So, you know, it is what it is. I, like I said, I had no problems with the decision I made, but it, it was on the same subject of taking a pay cut. You know, and. Yeah, when you've built your brand and when you when you feel like you're worth more, taking I'd rather take nothing than than less than what I'm worth. That's what mm. Abel did. I completely understand that. Decision. I completely understand 100%. why he did it. Right, exactly. Because some folks mm-hmm. are going to be like, "Well, he left with nothing." Um, no, he left. He left with something, man. It's a little bit of a and, hey. <laughs> yeah, this is who I am. Yeah, and he's got a good stable left. And but here's the other thing. Remember that clip? Remember when Emmanuel Stewart? was kind of like a little bit mercenary and he was working with Nassim Hamed and yeah. it was a post-fight interview. I forget which fight it was, but Emmanuel had his hand on Nassim's shoulder and he was like, get off me, man. Like he yelled at Emmanuel Stewart on HBO after a fight. Right. And I was like, that dude, that dude's dead to me one, but it was like Emmanuel put himself in a position where he wasn't being fully respected. And and the and the guy treated him that way. And I think you know Abel didn't cite that to me, but we you know it's a small community, and you don't want to be treated like you know you're you're just here for the money, and you'll take whatever money they give you. And so because of that, you'll take whatever abuse they give you too. That's just Especially not how... being a Mexican man. I, I mean, I'm, I'll put it out there: being a Mexican uh-huh. man, we're very prideful people. I hate to, you know yeah. sometimes a little bit too much pride, and. Uh, so I completely sure. understand where Abel Sanchez is coming from because I tell you what, I've walked away from jobs um, or just certain situations. You know, I've, I've, I've actually said, well, then fuck you. I'm, I'm out of here. I'll, I'll go across the street, you know, because it's the principle. It's the, sometimes it's not about the money. It's the principle. And, and, and when it comes down to Sanchez, this was the principle. Yeah, he lost money by not taking – the low, the low end of it, but at the same time, he walked away with something which is a little bit where a lot of folks wouldn't do is sell their soul, you know, uh, because eventually, you know what, man, here, let me tell you this. When you, when you accept something that you're not fully committed to or you're, you know, you feel like you're a little uh, shaft on, uh, what, what comes after that is animosity. 
and, mm-hmm. and, and resentment. And I think Abel is old enough to, you know, we're talking about an older gentleman that ran around the block numerous times that says, you know what, I, I don't want to do that. I don't need that in my life. I don't need to wake up every morning being reminded that, I, that I'm not getting paid for what I'm worth. If I'm going to get shit money, well, I might as well, well not, not shit money, you know, in terms of, of everybody else, because everybody seems to have like a big bank account. They can afford not having an extra two mil in their banks, right? But Abel's like, well, you know, if I'm going to get paid less and, and work more, I might as well just stick with the stable I have and get paid what, what and, and then still feel like I, I have control of my career. Anyways, um. Let's talk about our pick here, man, on leaving the ring of uh, Danny Jacobs and uh, Canelo Alvarez. Uh, Lemieux's not going to be on uh, the card. He had a hand injury, so that, we can't talk about him. But who, what do you see happening between those two guys, man? What do you think is going to happen on uh, Seeking a Mile weekend at the uh, MGM? Uh, I've heard the T-Mobile. This is the T-Mobile arena. Oh, oh T-Mobile. My bad, MGM, yeah. Right? Yeah, it is at the MGM, but it's the T-Chernobyl, as they call it. Um, man, I, you know, I actually haven't made a pick here. I I'd, I'd like Danny Jacobs. I'm not crazy about the weight thing. I think that that's going to hamstring him a little bit, and he's going to be a little bit weaker. I think Canelo knows he can carry some extra weight, so coming back to 160, I think he's going to be okay. But that's also interesting that he's coming back down in weight. You know, what's he going to be like? He looks strong. He's got that knee brace, but he always does now. I, you know. Um, I think Danny brings more tools to the table than, than anybody he's faced in a long time. He's mobile. He's got a good right hand, decent left hook, but the, it's really a, you know, a good jab. Um, and he can fight out of either stance and is effective doing so. I think he's sometimes more effective as a southpaw. I seem to throw Triple G quite a bit and make him pause. Um, but, you know, that surprise at the top level is gone, and I'm sure Canelo was prepared for it. Um, those judges like Canelo. It's his kind of home base at this point. The money's with him. But, uh, you know, Danny's got a good promoter in Eddie Hearn. So he's been around the block a bit. So I think kind of all things are a little bit equal here. Um, Canelo's only a slight favorite. Man, I don't know. I, I put it all on the table, but I haven't, I haven't convinced myself that one way or the other somebody's going to win. I, kinda could, I could see Danny winning, but I could also see Canelo catching him with something and putting him down and taking that decision, you know, or even maybe getting a, getting a stoppage win. But uh, I tend to think Canelo is not that kind of puncher against natural middleweights. Um, so I think it's going to go the distance. I think it's going to be a close decision win. I'm not sure for who yet. So I'll wait for your I think Canelo can get the KO. I, I think Canelo can get that KO if, depending on what plan, game plan uh, Danny Jacobs comes out with. You know, you know what I mean? Like if Danny says, you know what, this guy's not, this guy's only been in the middleweight division for what, uh, two years. Um, he's still fresh. It's new. Um, he's got a knee brace. I want to show him who's boss. Let me get in there. Let me, let me attack him the way I did to Peter Quillen. Let me see what I could do. I think that's the way he can get caught by Canelo, you know, because I think the more natural and more gifted counter puncher, in my opinion, is, is Canelo Alvarez, you know, um, Who's not the natural presser is Canelo. And and I think if Danny goes out there and says, let him press me the way he tried against Laura, Trout, Floyd, let him press me. And let me let me outbox him with athleticism. 
I think it's it's more in the favor of Danny Jacobs. I think that's the route they should be thinking about doing, in my opinion. You know, and occasionally touch Canelo's body because I think Canelo's game plan is to get in there, is to work that that taller frame uh, of Danny Jacobs to chop him down so that he's not as mobile. Um, that that would be Canelo's game plan, um, and and then. You know, Canelo might do the rope dope a little bit here too, Gabriel. You know, I, I thought about that as well. Canelo was pretty good in sucking you in and, and trying to throw some big shots, you know. Uh, he did it with Gennady Golovkin in the first fight, and Gennady uh, was having trouble landing some big shots on him when he was on the ropes, you know. Versatile-wise, I, 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 I tend to believe they're kind of uh, – well, no. I, I edge versatile-wise at Danny Jacobs. We saw that when he fought Gennady Golovkin. He had boxed. Uh, we've seen him, you know, um, when it's time to get rough, he does it. You know, uh, Canelo, when we've seen that he has to be the pressure guy, he still hasn't dialed that in yet. I don't know what you think. I don't think he's dialed in being the pressure uh, fighter. You know, even when he did it with Canelo, I mean, with Gennady Golovkin in the rematch, uh, he didn't have to find Gennady. Gennady went to him in those first couple of rounds. And then when he had to find Triple G, it was difficult for him. That's true. That is true. He hasn't, you know, we haven't really seen him cut off the ring. Even with like Miguel Cotto, Miguel was able to extend that fight by moving around. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't cut off the ring and like finish a smaller guy. You know, granted, Cotto has a lot of craft, but still, you know, and, and they were even fighting at a, at a lighter weight that benefited Canelo. Um, but uh, although now that they've let the weight, you know, the, 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 you know, let his weight go um, up. Maybe, maybe he was kind of compromised at the at the lower weight. But uh, you know, Liam Smith, I think he was able to do it. But Smith is always kind of there too. You know, so I, I think you make a good point. I, I think I'm going to go with the upset special here, Dave. I think I'm going to go ah. with Danny Jacobs by split decision. Call me crazy, but people like Delahoya says anybody can lose in Vegas, and you know. This is uh, the zone where there's, you know, multiple champions. It's a new business. And, uh, you know, Canelo has shown that he can lose and come back, especially if it's a decision that wouldn't be the end of the world. But I think Danny could be busier. I think he could let his hands go at distance and, and not stick around for the receipt. And, you know, he's, he's got a, a great trainer in Andre Rozier, who's an underrated mm-hmm. uh, strategist. They had a great game plan against Triple G. I thought they executed it. Watch the last 20 seconds of that fight. Uh, you'll see that Danny actually hurt Triple G and Triple G's legs would go a little bit, um, especially when Triple G tries to throw the last punches of the fight and he kind of falls into Danny. Uh, I think Danny's got late power. He showed that against Caleb Truax. And I got laughed at for saying that that was a good win, knocking Truax out in the 12th round. But that experience, you cannot buy on trees. You can't pull it from the tree. No. Uh, you can't buy it at the store. And Truax went on to win a world title. And as I said, that win gained uh, upon reflection. It gained over time. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with Danny. You know, you kind of have to go with the guy you, you came with sometimes, you know. Uh, and I've been championing the guy for a long time. This is his big moment. And maybe he learned from the – we're going to find out if he, what he learned from the Triple G fight and if that comes back to haunt him. If he wants to get in there and, you know, press a little bit more, will that come to haunt him with an uppercut from – Canelo that puts him down. I think that's the punch that Danny has to look out for more than any other is the sneaky uppercut of Canelo Alvarez. 
You know, when you look at the runs with Canelo, when he's frustrated, um, he's not. He doesn't have a poker face. When he fought Floyd, you could see the stress on his face. When he fought Laura, you could see the disappointment he had in his face. When he fought uh, Trout, even though he got the, you know, he got the win, um, and he even hurt Trout, you could still see that that he was trying his hardest to get something big to happen for him in those fights. You know, uh, Danny Jacobs. The one thing we could say about Danny Jacobs at this moment right now is he is a bit older. His legs are a bit older. He's not as mobile. Even when he fought Triple G, he slowed down in those mid-rounds uh, because it was a lot of movement. His last fight, he got touched a lot, but he was able to get a KO. But he was there to be touched. My concern is that how conditioned is he going to be, especially with this clause of dehydration? Uh, how much is that going to affect him? Um you know, not being able to be the full-blown of what you, you normally would come in at 170 uh, or plus. If Canelo is able to touch his body, I could see the head falling. But if Danny Jacobs trained to move for 12 rounds, to have a, a solid game plan, which is to use his jab, maybe even switch it up to a lefty occasionally, um, but to really keep Canelo at the end of his punches, it's going to be a tough night for Canelo because he's going to have to switch into that pressure fighter and he's going to have to learn how to cut that ring pretty quick to get a decision on this. I know a lot of folks are saying like, oh, Canelo's got the upper hand. He always gets to this judges. Golden Boy bought out the judges, et cetera, et cetera. But, but always leaving out that it was Gennady Golovkin's team on the rematch that they picked out the judges. Um Man, this is a tough fight. It's a 50-50 for me. You know, I like Danny's uh, athleticism. I like his height. I think he's a big, strong middleweight. Um, he's been in that division a lot longer. To say he doesn't have the experience, I think he has all the world experience. He learned a lot from Pirog when he got knocked out later in the rounds. Um, he's learned a lot on how to, to deal with situations outside of the ring. Um, being said with Canelo, same mentality knows how to brush off situations and, 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 and negativity off his shoulders. We have two complete professionals stepping in on Saturday night, Gabriel. This is a tough pick for me, man. But I know you're going with the upset special. I'm going to go with Canelo. I think Canelo has the ability to stop a Danny Jacobs, uh, do something that maybe Gennady Golovkin couldn't do. And reason is, is because... Gennady Golovkin is who he is now is not a body puncher. He's a head hunter. He's fallen in love in being a head hunter. I think Canelo to me is the more complete fighter. Um, when you do decide to trade with him, he knows how to slip the punches in front of you. Um, he's got better head movement than the last two opponents that Danny Jacobs has faced. I like, I like the fact that Canelo mixes his punches. He doesn't fall in love with one, one, punch at a time he likes to put it together and when he likes to paint he he paints a picasso um i think it's just going to be really difficult for for danny to break that rhythm um prime for prime these guys are both at it this is this is to me is one of the most anticipated middleweight fights to happen so i know you're going with danny jacobs i'm gonna go with canelo man i'm gonna go with canelo uh 10th round stoppage over danny jacobs on a fantastic uh Tug of war, back and forth, and believe me, uh, Danny Jacobs is not going to go laying down. He's going to fight his ass off in this fight. I, I see Danny's really hungry, but sometimes um, you can be blinded 
uh, with hunger rather than with strategy. That's a solid pick. It may make me regret mine. <laughs> this <weekend. laughs> I'm going to have to stay on uh, off of social media too. That, that Saturday night's my opening night, like eight o'clock. And I'm not going to do it to myself and be staring at the phone like right before I go on stage. So right. I'm going to like have to have to do a late night viewing after the show. Like everybody's going to want to party, and I'm going to be like, uh, I got to get out of here. I got to go see the fight. Like, but you know, thanks to the zone, I can watch the fight at the bar. So yeah, that's going to be true. Exciting. It is. It is, I'll man. The, well, uh, the, the yeah. TV rundown here. We got another few minutes. It's a lot of fights. Uh, as I said before, Thursday, May second at the Joint at Hard Rock. Uh, hotel and casino in las vegas nevada uh you can watch this on facebook for free um and uh it's what yamaguchi falcoa versus chris pearson middleweights 10 rounds stephen butler versus vitali uh middleweights 10 rounds in action and a bunch of other fighters uh four other fights on that card uh friday may 3rd at the eagles community arena in newcastle england on ifl uh tyron mccullough versus alvaro rodriguez super bantamweights 10 rounds, Troy Williamson versus Ionet Trandafir Ailey, uh, junior middleweight, eight rounds. Simon uh, Vallely versus Joan uh, Volau, heavyweight, six rounds. And a bunch of other names that are hard to pronounce, uh, some that aren't. Uh, there's like 10 other fights on that card. Then Saturday, May 4th, at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, on DAZN. It's the death of pay-per-view. With Canelo Alvarez versus Daniel Jacobs uh, <laughs> for the middleweight titles, all the belts, uh, except for the WBO, 12 rounds of boxing. Uh, Virgil Ortiz Jr., one of my favorite prospects in the game, uh, versus Maurizio Herrera. This is not a prospect fight. This is a step up to that ex-champion, that dude that's going to, you know, Maurizio's well past it, but maybe he has a little bit of something to offer this kid who I, I really like a lot. This is a little knockout artist, but we're going to see what he's like at, a, at another level. Uh, Lamont Mauricio's got a jab, you know. What's that? Mauricio still has a jab, and he's still got some of that weird timing, you know. He does, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he. Um, you know, you... the one thing that goes in boxing mostly is is your legs, you know. That's the one thing. Um, mm-hmm. And and Mauricio had before taking his hiatus for a bit. I mean, he was going through some wars, you know. I mean, he fought some real tough opposition so i wonder if the rest i mean he he fought what how, how long ago a couple of months back right no last year wasn't it he? he fought last year um and he did all right uh but you could see th- there was a little there was something missing so th- yeah this is uh he could he could pose problems or it could just be his days have gone saddam ali it was last december against saddam ali and yeah he yeah. looked he looked like the milk had gone bad, you know? Yep. Um, he's not fighting all that often anymore. You've got a couple fights in 2017, a couple fights in 2016, only one fight in 2015, uh, and, and only one fight in 2018. So, um, yeah, I'm very curious about how sharp he's going to be. But still, there, there's something to, get, you know, to be learned from a veteran like that. Uh, Roach Jr. versus Jonathan Okendo, I think that's a pretty exciting little fight, super featherweights. 10 rounds. Joseph Diaz Jr. versus Freddie Fonseca, uh, super featherweights, 10 rounds. Um, not going to be, you know, I, I think Fonseca is definitely just more of an opponent. And the aforementioned Saddam Ali versus Anthony Young. Um, and a couple other fights rounding out that card. At the same time, 
because boxing is foolish and loves to split its audience, uh, at the Stockton Arena in Stockton, California, uh, ESPN presents Artur Baturiev versus uh, Radovoje Kalajdzic, uh, light heavyweights, 12 rounds. Jerwin Ankasas uh, comes back. Uh, Jerwin, I'm not Manny Pacquiao on Kalahas, I should say, uh, versus Ryuchi uh, Funai, <laughs> super flyweight, 12 rounds. And uh, local boy, gone, done good, uh, one of the youngest signings ever to the top rank, if not the youngest, I believe. Uh, Gabriel Flores Jr. versus Eduardo uh, Pereira, uh, lightweight, six rounds. Uh, Felix Valera versus Mario Aguilar, light heavyweight, 10 rounds. Uh, and there's five other fights on that card. Um, and that is your weekend fight schedule. A whole lot of fights, man. If you want to get Ooh, drunk on Cinco de Mayo or pre pregame on uh, the day before Cinco de Mayo, uh, it's there's a lot of fights to be doing that too. So there you go. There you go, man. Well, again, uh, thanks for everybody tuning in here on Leaving the Ring. Uh, remember, uh, don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. Peace. <laughs>